Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So good to be with you uh, again. Uh, it's honestly it's a real uh, treat to be here. I want to say something about Alpha. Uh, we, I, I went to one of the, probably the first training uh, course for Alpha uh, that was uh, in Dublin, and we decided <laughs> we're, we're in 1997 to start Alpha, and we ran it three times a year, and we saw hundreds of people come to faith. Hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. It was our harvest tool for seeing people come to Christ. And uh, I want to commend it to you. There's an anointing on Alpha that if you ask somebody to come, they say yes. And so often as Christians, what we do is we say, I'll, I'll, do you know something? I'll invite so-and-so, and then they go, no, they wouldn't come. Don't say no on somebody's behalf. There's a yes inside of them waiting for an invitation. Honestly, ask them to come along. It's got, it's got God's favor all over it. And if you will just see something happen as lives are transformed, uh, we've seen, as I say, I'll tell you one story. One year, uh, we were, numbers were a bit low. We normally had about 150. And uh, Laura said to me, could we try something new, Paul? Laura's one of our pastors. And I said, oh, what do you want to do? She says, let's hire McHugh's pub in Belfast, have an indie band and a hog roast. Now, I I knew what a hog roast was, but didn't know what an indie band was. But I trusted her, okay. I said, okay, 300 people came to it. An Alpha course, it was absolutely brilliant. And so wanna, I want to really uh, commend you. I want to say, uh, it's great to see you back again. Uh, I was in England last weekend speaking, and uh, the, the masks are, are off, <laughs> off. The masks are off, literally. But they don't, you know, it, it's not a legal requirement anymore. And as I said, it was the, it was the biggest church, crowd in church for two years because people were starting to come back again. But, and I don't want to labor it, but it's been a really tough time, hasn't it? You know, people, people are confused, they're broken, they're bruised, they're bored. And, and it's, we're, we're just saying, Lord, could we just get back to something of normality? And, and what I've found is that I've been traveling around churches, and this is, this is not a prophetic word, but I, can, and I haven't found it this morning with you guys, but it's flat. People are a bit flat, aren't they? Kind of go. We've been, we've been, we've been, you know, just in. I, I used to do 100 flights a year, 95 to 100 flights a year. I don't want to ever do again in my life. But it's just a bit flat. And I was reading. I've been reading in Romans. This is I'm, I'm leading. It's a segue into my talk. I've been reading in Romans recently, and uh, I, I got to chapter 12, and Paul says, "Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies." Uh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And it, it's the whole idea of, he's, he's, done, he, he's written the last previous 11 chapters of what Christ has done for us. And, there, and then he goes, therefore, so in light of what Jesus has done for us and what God's plan is for our life, well, our response is, offer your bodies. Give yourself as a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. Not, not, a, not a, a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. And then the rest of the chapter are not a list of rules and regulations, but what a life looks like when it's been offered to God. When you offer yourself to God and the Holy Spirit empowers you, Paul says, these are the things that should characterize you. And I came on this verse 
Romans 12, verse 11, which is where I'm starting today. And it says this. Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I assume he wrote that because there is a danger that sometimes, guess what? We lose our spiritual zeal. We get a bit low. Our passion ebbs out of us. And so, so Paul addresses it at different times. You know, in Galatians, he says, don't be weary in doing good. He said, don't give up on it, because at the right time, if you keep on going, you'll reap a harvest. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you'll know when we receive a reward that your labor is not in vain. We kind of get this rosy picture of the New Testament, that everything, (laughs) they just hovered about two feet off the ground, and they breathed and people were healed. No, they lost their spiritual passion. And so I want to talk today about spiritual passion. Let me do a little tongue-in-cheek thing with you, okay? Just to sort of answer this in your mind. Number one, it's not, you won't see it in the screen. If you, if you sing, your mind and mouth switch to automatic pilot during worship. Answer this. Number two, the last time God answered a specific prayer is a distant memory. Number three, you hope nobody will ask you what the Lord's been saying to you during your quiet time. Number four, you wonder where the joy went. Number five, you've heard it all before. Number six, if you do, you read the Bible because you should and not because you want to. Number seven, you're a lot more excited about football, new car, holidays, and music, and clothes, and social media than you are about Jesus. Number eight, you're not really sure that God loves you or you love Him. Number nine, the things you were taught that were sinful and harmful are actually a lot more fun than following Jesus. And number 10, those happy, clappy Christians get on your nerves. <laughs> now, did somebody, did I hear bingo there? Full house? Somebody got a full house? Listen, got a full house, you need to come and talk to me at the end. But I want to talk to you about passion. What is passion? Well, it's usually measured in, in sexual terms, but it extends to many things. And, and it, for me, it's a strong emotion. It's joy. It can be anger. I tell you what, you know when you have it and you know when you don't have it. It conjures up ideas again of revolution, romance, pushing beyond the ordinary, you know, winning the prize, all that sort of thing. And please don't tell me that men don't have passion. It's not true. I go to football. People have passion. It's funny. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, one of our young ladies out of CFC married a gentleman from another church, and he came to CFC for two months and told me he was leaving. I said, why? He said, I don't like people jumping up and down. I said, well, okay, that's fine. God bless you. Find a church where you fit and all the rest of that's great. Three months later at a Northern Ireland football match, he's sitting four rows in front of me. And somebody goes, let's all do the bouncy. And there he is. Boom, 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 boom. Please, do me a favor. People have passion. Now listen, for some people, it can be quiet. But it's the thing that spurs you on and motivates you. It's the force that moves us beyond the ordinary. Christians need passion. And we'll never survive. Never mind get the job done without it. Passion relocated is often harder to get back than passion restored. What, what you say, well, what, what do you, or passion lost, sorry. What I mean by that is this. If you had passion uh, in a one particular area, and then you, that drops and you, you, you focus it on something else, it's really hard to get back to that original thing again. 
And some Christians do that, actually. Passionate about Jesus, and then they lose that, and they're passionate about something else. When you relocate it, it's very difficult to get it back again. But passion quickly dissipates and needs constant restoration. I don't know about you. I'm an upbeat person. I really am. I'm not. A, I'm not. There are people who are, are who are sanguine. Who are? It's just they're melancholic. You know, that's just the way people are. That's okay. But but to be honest with you, there's times in my life when my passion just goes flat, and I need to find that passion again. Are you with me? Okay, let, let's have a look at some of the things. I'll, I won't dwell a, a lot on these, but um, uh, things that can uh, dissipate your passion. Number one, being spiritually drained. Spiritually drained. Now, we all know what it is to be drained mentally, spiritually, and physically. Philip said it earlier. He said, he said we, it's a very, we live very busy lives. The West is very busy, isn't that right? If you're married, and, and some, a lot of you aren't, but if you're married with children, I mean, you're a taxi driver. You either take your kids to be consumers or to be entertained. We live very, very busy lives, and often we get emotionally, mentally, and, and spiritually drained, particularly if you're involved in church work. I remember being invited to, uh, Priscilla and I went, spoke at the Free Methodist Bible Week in Canada, and uh, they said, no, it's a pretty intense week, and, but you know how many times we preached between us, and I did most of it, 23 times. At the end of it, they asked us back again. I said, you know everything I know about the Bible. I, I, you've, it's, all, it's out there. I've told you everything I know. But we came home and we were absolutely shattered. Now, could I say, you've given all that you have to give and you've got, you don't have much left. Let me say this to you. You're not a bad person. It happens to everybody. You just give yourself and then you go, oh, down you go. Elijah, he was drained fought a great va- battle, and then he wants to quit the very thing that he's called to do. Sometimes you get, when you get like that, you become super critical of yourself and others, and it particularly happens to people who are involved in active Christian service. And here's my advice to you. Don't make permanent decisions in a state of temporary emotional upheaval. A lot of people do that. Do not make permanent decisions in a state of temporary emotional upheaval. Even Jesus recognized after a period of activity, what does he do? He takes the disciples aside. Okay, so we all, we all sometimes, we get to that point where we have to, we're, we're, we're drained. Number two, spiritually dried out. Now, this happens, I think, when I call it running on empty. In other words, after being, after being drained, you keep on going when you haven't the time set aside to restore and recharge your batteries. And I'm talking about spiritual batteries, particularly today. And it affects people with natural gifting. Uh, and there's, a, there's just something about, about gifting. When God's gifted you with something, you can keep on going. But if you want the anointing of God, you need a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I'm not picking on because I'm going to pick on myself. Particularly musicians. You, you can play the guitar no matter what's going on. I remember, again, my, my wife and I, CFC was flourishing. You know, just, you know, four services on a Sunday. I'm bang up there. And, and I would sit outside the house with four, my wife and four little daughters and toot the horn on a Sunday morning. And one day Priscilla said to me, tell you what, Paul, next Sunday I'll sit in the car and toot the horn and you get the girls ready. 
which I thought was pretty unreasonable of her, but anyway. So, and we had a blazing, an absolute blazing row, an absolute blazing row before we went down. And I had to go down and preach. I thought, what am I going to do today? You know something? It was fantastic. <laughs> because that's what I do. Now, I did not have a blazing row with my wife coming out today. I want you to know that. <laughs> but, but do you understand? You can, because of natural gifting, you can keep on doing what you're doing. But if you want, so, but if you want anointing, you need to have time with Jesus. Your gifting will keep you going long after the anointing has left you because you haven't spent time with Christ. And when you keep on moving in your natural gifting and talent, without that, it leads to action without heart. And, and you find that you're susceptible to temptation, criticism, and, and your passion goes flat. Number three, we can get spiritually discouraged. Honestly, I think that this has been the greatest season for discouragement in the church. Things happen in our lives over which we haven't got any control whatsoever. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 says, We were under such pressure that we wanted to die. We thought we were going to die. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul, he says, you know, but why was it? Well, people had left him. They said, wow, the pressure was so great. We just, we thought, we despaired of life itself, he says. You know, it sounds like a, he had a bout of something of depression. There's something going on there. And weariness sets in, and you, excuse me, you want to give up. <clears throat> it can be the, the death of someone that you prayed for. It can be something in terms of a relationship. It can be a, a lack of appreciation that you feel after a, a particularly a season of dedicated hard work and an unkind word that somebody just throws away to you. Happened to me recently. Honestly, I thought I'm, a, I'm immune to that sort of thing. But somebody said something to me recently, and it was just a throwaway line. But it, it actually pierced my heart. I went, is that what you really think about me? And we, we, we just, I, and I, t- I told Priscilla, and she said, did you not say something? And I went, no, I just laughed. But I was hurt. I was discouraged that somebody who had invested <laughs> literally in 40 years of their life actually said something to me that hurt me. It's okay being a servant of Jesus until somebody treats you like one. And we all get discouraged. And you get the stronghold in your mind that says nothing will ever change. I, I, I get discouraged by the bigness of the work that God still wants to do in us and through us. And you think, Lord, is it ever going to happen? Number four, and it follows on, spiritually disillusioned. You dream big dreams, but they never seem to work out for you the way it did with the speaker. You ever, disillusionment, it's a terrible thing, honestly. You, 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 you begin to doubt people's motivation for things, and something just dies in you. I remember, I remember going to a conference in the 80s, and it was a John Wimber conference. Some of you would never have heard of him, but... And he talked about the times in his life when he would get onto a plane and he'd see a, a word of he'd have a word of knowledge and he'd see a word written amongst somebody's head, and he'd, he'd talk to them and reveal the word and lead them to Christ. And I thought, gee, I'm going to do that. And I'm down. I, I thought, and I went to the city centre in Belfast and I went to Marks and Spencers and I spotted this guy. And I thought, I'm going to stalk him. And I started, honestly, I started following him around. And then I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm making this up. 
And then I, went, I said, no, I'll go out and come back again. If he's still there, I'll go up and talk to him. And, I compl- and, and he was still there. And I went up and I said, you, you, you don't know me. I'm a Christian. It makes him a bit strange. It's here. But I just feel that the Lord has, a, has something he wants to say to you. And he says, okay. And I said, uh, you've got two, two daughters, haven't you? And he said, no, I'm not married. <laughs> and I went, well, God bless you anyway, okay? And away I went. You know, it was, almost it was like, I thought, well, I'm never doing that again. Now, either, either John remembers making that up, or I'm a complete loser. <laughs> but you you, you, you kids, how does it not work out for me the way it worked out with him? And it causes you to doubt the faithfulness of God. You stop speaking to him. There are people you put in a pedestal. Please don't put any Christian leader on a pedestal, particularly today, because when you find out they've got feet of clay, you'll get disillusioned. <laughs> Honestly. There's, there's something about disillusionment that I, I say to people, uh, I used to say to people in my church, listen, if you're cynical, please talk to God about it. it it's, a, it's something really difficult. And then you, number five is this, spiritually defeated. There's a weariness that comes when you fall into temptation. And, and listen, who of us have never sinned? Don't see any hands there. But promises made to God and others are forgotten, and things that you never would have contemplated in your life become daily occurrences. Peter says, I'm ready to die for you, Lord. And a few hours later, he's denying him. Passion doesn't dwell in the heart of the defeated. And when we get like that, we need our passion restored, don't we? Okay, let me, let me go. How do you do that? I call them five critical choices. Five critical choices. When, when it's happening to me, and I did it, to, I did it today. I, 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 did the, I did these today. I reiterated them. Number one, confession. Confession. Just very simple. You, you, 1 John 1 and 4, what does is, what is the, the apostle say? He says, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when you confess something, you own it. There are, this, this sounds like a terrible marriage sem, uh, uh, seminar, but, you know, I, I call it, Priscilla and I, whenever something happens that, you know, causes a little bit of it, I call it silent movie time because it's all picture, no sound. <laughs> and I know that it requires one of us to start a conversation before we can begin to, 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 to patch it up. Now you say, why would you, why would you need to confess to God something that he already knows? Well, it's about relationship. Because if you stay silent, then, then what you're saying is, I don't want to talk about this. But it's when you confess and say, you own it and say, Lord, look, I'm, I'm flat. I need my zeal restored. Something has happened. I've been, I've been defeated. I've been disillusioned. You know, whatever it is, and you confess it. You tell him about it. And what are you doing? You're inviting the Lord into that situation to begin to help you and deal with it. And then it says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So if it's sin, you need that, you need that dealt with. It's not becoming a Christian all over again. Because he says, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the idea of daily cleansing. It's, it's a picture. It's going back to 
I'll, I'll take you back Old Testament and New Testament. Peter in the upper room, he's washing the feet of, Jesus is washing their feet. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, you're not washing my feet. If you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, no, Peter, you're already clean. You just need to wash your feet. And it's, it's going back to the tabernacle. You've got the altar and the laver. They, they didn't sacrifice on the altar every day. They did that to atone for sins, pointing to Christ. But they needed to wash every day. And as Christians, we're exactly the same. Don't become a, you come to Jesus, and you give your life to Him. And you come to Him every day, and you confess it. And He deals with the issue, and He cleanses you. We all need cleansing. Confession is really important. And number two, simple, is communion. Just beginning to talk to the Lord again. A lot of young people here today, can I say, if you establish something early in your life, it will, it, you will keep it going for the rest of your life. And I, what I say is this, I, what I mean by this is, it's not simply about stuffing your head with Bible knowledge. Important as that is, it is about your heart being open and you having an inner transformation by your encounter with Jesus. And so I say, Lord, I'm going to confess my sin, and I'm going to have communion with you. I'm going to let you, whatever that looks like, deal with my heart. I'm not, my relationship isn't going to be perfunctory or distant in any way. And you might express that spirituality in a different way. I, I often tell this one, that Priscilla and I, when we first got married, we, uh, we decided that we would pray. We didn't have a television. We were brethren. And we said we'd pray together for at least one night a week. Very impressive, though, isn't it? But it lasted about two weeks. Because Priscilla said that my prayers were short and superficial, and I said hers were long and boring. <laughs> and uh, because here, here, I mean, if she was here, she would hit me. But, you know, she, 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 here's the way she prays. Lord, I, you know, it's a really, it's a, I call it story prayer. Lord, I want to thank you. And I met Sandra at the school gates today. At three o'clock. Well, it actually was about ten past three because I'd got there a little bit late because Dad had called me before I went out, actually, because he'd been to a new doctor, that nice fella from Scotland, you know, and everything in me is going, please make this stop right away. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm different. You know, Priscilla reads poetry, you know, medieval saints. St. John the Dwarf, who sat on top of a pole for 40 years. Who wants to listen to anything that would do a thing like that? <laughs> but what I'm trying to illustrate is this. We're all different. I, I, I like to open, this is me. I like to open the Bible. I've got a journal, and I read it, and I write my own commentary. I've hundreds and hundreds of commentaries. Nobody will ever read them. Maybe when I die, my children will publish them all, but it's just for me. And what did it do? It fed my soul. Please, find something that works. Find something that works and engage with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Open up your heart to Him. Let your, your life be shaped by Christ. I always tell this everywhere I go, and I've told it here, going to tell it again. A friend of mine lives in South Armagh, going to be with Jesus. He's an orchard farmer. One day we're walking around the orchard, the orchard, and I said, Leslie, what makes a good apple? And he said, Paul, take care of the tree, and the apple will take care of itself. 
So what do you mean? He says, if you make sure that the, old, the dead branches are pruned, keep the insects off it, make sure, off the tree, make sure it's watered and fed. He says, come the end of August, he said, September, you get the best Bromley apples. I don't worry about them. I take care of the tree. Christian, please, don't, worry, don't wake up in the morning going, it must be more loving today. Take care of your relationship with Jesus. And, and the fruit of the Spirit will be the overflow of that. Cut off the dead branches. Keep the insects out of your head. Keep your soul and your spirit watered and fed. Communion with Jesus. And you'll find your passion comes back again. Number three, call on commitment. Call on commitment. I still have a sense of call. I read Paul, it says it in, in chapter 15. He calls it, as a minister of the gospel, he said it is a priestly duty. He sees it as a distinct call in his life. And I still get excited about what God still wants to do in my life. Now, honestly, my theory is that every 10 years, something shifts in your life. A teenager becomes a 20-something, 20-something becomes a 30-something. And, and for me, it's a something. And I, you know, an old person. Uh, but honestly, I, and I'm at, the, I'm at that juncture where, where I used to do for eight years before COVID, I flew 100 flights a year. I don't want to do that anymore. Something has shifted and changed in my life. But I still have a sense that God's got something for me to do in the kingdom of God. I had, had an Uncle Leslie, one of my father's elder brothers, who at his 90th birthday drove down to the party that we had for him, and I said to him, Uncle Leslie, what gets you up in the morning? He said, Paul, I get up every morning and I think, who can I talk to today about Jesus? I thought, when I grow up, that's what I want to be like. God's got, God's got something for you to do. Philip was going to announce it. He, he, did, he did allude to it. But I got a call wondering, just felt there was a real transition in my life in the last couple of months. And I got a phone call from UK chaplaincy and said, would you consider being the chaplain of Linfield Football Club? And I said, well, let me pray about that. Yes, I will. <laughs> it was a very short prayer. But it has opened up, you know, without giving, it's just been opened up an incredible avenue of service. Whatever age you're at, God's got something to do. Whatever you're called to do, it might be that just do the next thing. Invite somebody who come into your mind today to Alpha on February the 20th, I think it is, isn't it, Phil? On the 20th. And, and do it as if you're serving Christ the Lord. Andrew Wilson, uh, who's a theologian, wrote this recently, and I thought it was good. He said, in God's global mission, the role of extraordinary people doing exceptional things it's probably far smaller than we imagine. He said, and the role of ordinary people doing everyday things is certainly far greater than we imagine. Just do an ordinary thing. A call and commit yourself to it. Number four, community. The church is still the hope of the world. Yeah, honestly, it really is. I mean, listen, it's broken, it's battered, we've been beaten all over the place, but listen, that we're not, we're not going to be on our knees for long. And I, I'm absolutely convinced that there's something very powerful. There is no plan B. And that's why whenever your passion is low, you need to be with other Christians. 
honestly. Now, you can, you can encourage yourself, but there's something about being with a group of people who inspire you and, and go for it. I, I loved your first song today. Didn't, it's not that I didn't love the rest of them, but I loved the first one. You know, when I, when I ran out of that, that grave, how does it go, Jude? That you, no, no, don't sing it. No, no. I mean, and I ran out of that grave. Is that it? Yes. Right, that's it. Okay. Do you know the first time I heard that? It was uh, where I'm going next weekend. It was to Betel. It's Spanish for Bethel. And it's a drug rehabilitation unit. Five centers around the UK. I'm on the board now. And I heard 350 ex-heroin addicts sing that song. Priscilla and I sobbed and sobbed and broke our hearts because those guys, one after the other, would get up and go, I, I, I think of Wayne from Leeds. And I said, what happened to you, Wayne? He says, well, uh, he says, my father, my brother and I, we, uh, he says, we, we, uh, we robbed a Debenhams van. And we stole 400 dresses. And I got caught. I did two years. Heroin addict. He says, I was in a taxi one night after I got out of jail. They threw me out onto the street, and I landed outside a Pentecostal church. And the pastor came out, and he said, I'm going to get you into Battelle. He said, I came here, and I met Jesus, and I've been a leader of one of the houses for 15 years. Testimony after testimony. Why? Because God put him in community. Now, for those who are watching today, please, there are people who are nervous and afraid and are vulnerable. And it's fantastic that you can still watch this from here, and that's brilliant. But if you possibly can, please be back in your seats again. When Paul, and I'm going to, time's pushing on, but I really need to say this. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, he says this on two occasions, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard that. In other words, the, the, when you receive Christ, the third person of the Trinity comes to live within you, you know, in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when he uses it on one, another occasion, he says, it's the old Northern Ireland thing. He said, using's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not you as an individual, well, that's true, but, but as a corporate gathering. God's dwelling place is the church. And he uses a particular word that usually describes the innermost shrine. And in, of course, the Jewish culture, that would be the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and the temple, the place where they figuratively had God's dwelling place. What's God saying? God's, going, God's saying, uh, Paul's saying rather, that, that, that the tabernacle and the temple are no longer God's dwelling place. The church of Jesus Christ. There's something is the dwelling place of God. Something about the church that no matter what happens outside it, they cannot recreate. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And he warns them, because God's dwelling place is the church gathered, he warns them against division. He says, those who destroy God's church, you better watch out. Now, that's not to warn you, but simply to say, we need to be in community. Thank you for being here today. And if you can, please come. And point number five, character. I'll continue. Uh, I, I will uh, continue to build my character. And that you do that piece by piece. You know, the, the, the problem is you think, you kind of think you get more godly as you grow older. Joe. <laughs> Edith. Isn't that right? But you don't. You've got to keep working at it. 
I was, I was rebuked this week by saying something slightly inappropriate, not of, a, not of a sexual nature, but just something that I shouldn't have said by my daughter. And you know something? I was, I was annoyed about it, but she was absolutely right. I had to apologize to her. She said, Dad, I don't want to hear that in front of my, my children here and that sort of thing. I thought, wow, God's still got a lot to do in my heart. I've got to build my character. And you make a pledge. I, I, I don't want to continue to do stuff like that. Here's what I, I want to give you a couple of uh, pointers just as I finish. Live what you preach. Be sure your Christian profession where you work is consistent with what you say and how you live. Number two, do what you say. If you promise to do anything, do it with a good grace. Number three, be honest with others. Don't cover up or misrepresent the facts. You know, don't say, if I hurt you. You know, state the way it is. Number four, put what is best for, for others ahead of what is best for you. Somebody said this once, manipulation is getting others to do things which will benefit you. Motivation is getting people to do things which will benefit themselves. People soon know whether you're out for their good or for your own good. Put what is best for others above what, above what, ahead of what is best for you. And number five, be transparent and vulnerable. Be open. Tell people what life is really like. If you close others out, you won't get hurt and you won't get help. If you open up, you will get hurt. But you'll certainly get help. It may cost you. But I find when my passion is low, there's always a little thing about character there. Lord, I want, I want to, I want to be the, display the character of Jesus. I want Christ formed in me. And they're critical choices. And I just want to take a, a, a minute, Philip, if I can, on the confession one. Just quietly where you are. By the way, it's like Sunday school. Close your eyes, you know, fold your arms, sit up straight. And if there's anything you need to confess right now, and you haven't been talking to the Lord about it, why don't you open the door? That's what you're doing. You're going, Lord, I need to talk to you about something. You're owning what's been going on. And you're, you're permit not that he couldn't, but you're permitting him, you're inviting him into what is happening and what has happened. And when you make that confession with a sincere and a humble heart, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is putting us back on the path to passion and zeal. What does Paul say? Never, 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 never. Honestly, and, and, and I, 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 this is my key verse at the moment. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It might be today that there's someone here or watching, and actually you've never actually taken that step of confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord, you know, presenting your body, giving yourself inviting Christ into your life. It doesn't matter what you call it, but we're going to call it today saying yes to Jesus. I want to begin a new life with him. You don't need to be a drug, a, a drug addict. You can be the best person in your, in your street. That's not the issue. The issue is that every single person 
needs to open up their life and invite a Savior who will forgive them and cleanse them into their lives. If you've never done that, maybe you might want to say something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you died for me. And I freely and willingly give my life to you and invite you to come in right now. In his name, amen. hope you enjoyed the podcast today i hope it encouraged you there's a few things i'd love you to do i'd love you to subscribe to our youtube itunes or spotify account this is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat church podcast